something great about the day here. It's wonderful weather for a Sunday afternoon, swelling the crowd even further. And as mentioned, it's by no means one way here the support. Benfica have a tremendous following. I think that surprises many of us who visit every year for the International Champions Cup actually just how well supported they are across the United States. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica. Tonight it is episode 23, part 3 of Benfica in the USA. That's right, Benfica in the USA, and it is now official. Better late than never, as I always say, but it, long enough, I waited long enough to put this out to say that it is official. Sport Lisboa Benfica are the 2019 ICC International Champions Cup winners. That's right. Today's result, AC Milan 2, Manchester United 2. The, because it went to penalty kicks, even though United won on penalties today, Benfica, the only team with three wins in 90 minutes, the only team to reach nine points in the ICC. Benfica, ladies and gentlemen, are your winners of the 2019 ICC. This is huge. Maybe not so much for Benfica, the club. Maybe not so much for the players. But for those of us living here in the United States, this is huge. You heard the new open there at the beginning of the episode. Um, I added a little piece. And that is some, some audio from the English language broadcast. That broadcast is available, of course, on... Um, on is the name of the website of course I put the link in um, in the show notes so that you can catch all your Benfica replays in their full length replays alright um, the match versus Milan from last week is there in English um, BTV did, did rerun it in Portuguese um, I caught a little bit of it when I got home but this was huge for me. Tonight's show is going to be different, everybody. Um, it's going to run a bit differently because normally I run down the game and I talk about the TV production and what I saw. What I Guess what? At this match, I was in the house. I was in the stadium. It was one heck of a day, all right? From the beginning to end, it was an absolute awesome day. But um, also some misfortune, you know. Uh, I got a whole story to tell, you know. Got to meet João Martins from BTV. That was definitely a highlight. Um, got to get my picture taken with the Liga Nars trophy. 
the Trinity set. That's right, me, my father, and my niece in the picture. Um, got to see Louison from afar. Didn't get in line to meet him because, uh, well, there was only time for one, one picture. Um, and uh, we chose the trophy. And um, didn't, unfortunately, my biggest regret did not get to meet up with the crew. Of course, I'm talking about Mario and Cynthia. I'm talking about Nina. I'm talking about Timo. I'm talking about Kevin. I'm talking about João. I'm talking about Jose. The whole crew was there, man. I, I tried. I tried. I wanted to get to them. Um, you know, they were tailgating there. And they were uh, in, I believe, lot 14 or something like that. And I was like, cool, cool. I saw in the WhatsApp, they said the parking there was free. They said that, uh, you know, it's the fir first lot or something by the Olive Garden when you get on Highway 1. Uh, what I did not realize, everybody, and this is was the ultimate downfall, they were coming from the south of the stadium. I came from the north, all right? So by the time I hit Route 1 or Highway 1, um, Massachusetts, or U United States Highway 1 is the official name of the road that Gillette Stadium is on, um... Well, it was a traffic jam, all right? I had to pick up my parents, pick up my niece. Uh, we made a, the drive. My sister met us at the stadium. Well, I say at the stadium, but um, we ended up parking a long way from the stadium because as soon as I got onto Highway 1, there was nothing but traffic. And I looked at the lot numbers, and the crew was at 14, I think, or 15, and the first one I saw was 1. And I realized quickly I was not going to get to that side of the stadium in time to park, hang out, go pick up my tickets at the window, okay, and get into the stadium and find the trophy. I said last week that was my goal was to find the trophy. And um, quickly I realized. And also I think free parking was already uh, a thing of the past by the time I arrived. Uh, we left my, my parents' house at noon. It's about a 40-minute drive to Gillette Stadium from my parents' house in Hudson, Massachusetts. Um, by 12.40, I did not see any more free parking. We ended up paying $20 to park at a hotel one mile from the stadium. Uh, I'm not sure what the exact distance that is in kilometers, but uh, it was about a 40-minute walk to the stadium from where we, from the hotel we parked at. $20. We found my sister. She found us quickly. She came from uh, from Providence, Rhode Island, where she lives. She found us. She parked there, um, and we were able to walk to the stadium, uh, see the trophy, um, see Louison from a distance, see João Martins, of course, um, and there, it was great. I was standing in line waiting for uh, a chance to, to take my picture with the trophy, right? And a couple of uh, Milan fans, some of the few Milan fans come running through singing some song, right? I thought to myself and I said, you know, like hell, you know, I'll be damned if, if, if a couple of Milan fans are going to come singing here. There was nothing but Benficistas everywhere, so I just belted out, S.O.B., S.O.B., and literally the crowd around me just picked it up, and we started to clap along, and we started to sing. The BTV cameras were rolling a few minutes later. I mean, the crowd was rowdy. What what a day. But we quickly we quickly let those Milan fans know they were definitely the away team in this stadium. Um, as you heard on the commentary there, the English language broadcast, uh, they were talking like it was going to be a 
a 50-50 crowd, and I thought that was kind of funny because it, sh- it shows clearly that they were not at the stadium. They were watching from a monitor, probably in London, um, you know, on looking. But um, there was no way that, you know, they said this was is going to be far from a one-sided affair in the stands or, or what exactly the, the wording they used. But um, it was exactly that. It was a one-sided home match for Benfica. Befikistas in New England did well. Huge shout out also, okay, to the Cape Verdean community here in New England. They came out in huge numbers for Befika. Absolutely huge numbers. And one of the most beautiful things I have seen or that I do see when Befika comes up here that's a little bit different is the inclusion of the Cape Verdean community here. In in Massachusetts and in Rhode Island. A big, big Cape Verdean community. Tons of Benfiquistas in that community. They come out in full force. And I know uh, the guys from Canada, Walter, Kevin, Mario, um, they met some Cape Verdeans in the parking lot and had quite a day with them. Um, I, I saw some videos online of them all together. It's the, absolutely the coolest thing. This is why, you know, Benfica, we say, is maior que Portugal. Why it's bigger than Portugal? Because it extends way beyond Portugal's borders. It extends to the Lusophonia, to the, the Lusophone, um, you know, Zapora outside of the country. It extends to the former overseas territories. It extends to Brazil. It extends to France. It extends absolutely here to the United States and Canada. There is no no mistake about it. And in a year when tickets were so low here in the United States for this International Champions Cup, Relevant Sports has gone on the record saying they're very happy with Benfica, okay? With Benfica's support and the numbers we came out in. And I believe, and I'm willing to put, you know, money down on this, I'm... Very confident Benfica will be back in North America next year. However, I doubt you will see the ICC or Benfica back at Gillette Stadium again. That pitch was absolutely atrocious. You could see it from the second level where I was sitting, you know. you look, it, The grass was dead when we got there. The pitch, you know, the, the grass was dead. I mean, they had laid it a few nights earlier. New England Revolution played Orlando City there on Friday night, two nights before. Um... And the temperatures were just out of this world. It was hot. It was hot. Um, it was it, it was over 90 degrees Fahrenheit. It's, I think when I looked it up, it's about 37, 38 degrees Celsius. It was very hot. High humidity, about 70, 80% humidity. Uh, we cooked in the stadium. Absolutely, my family and I, we were cooked. Um, my voice was gone for three days. There was no way I could have done this. This podcast earlier this week when I wanted to. My voice was absolutely shot. Uh, and where were the the AC Milan fans for this game? You know, I, I, I really, really expected a bigger crowd because I expected AC Milan to bring much closer to as many fans as we did. Boy, was I wrong. I couldn't have been more wrong. You could hardly find... It was... This was... I... This was the identical environment, the identical um, the uh, distribution of fans as a year ago at Red Bull Arena when Befica beat Juventus, or I shouldn't say beat, when Befica played Juventus, losing on penalties at Red Bull Arena, but um, where it was almost a 100%. I said it was about a 70-30 um, pro-Befica crowd. This was even more last Sunday at Gillette Stadium. I'd say that was 80-20. 
or more for Benfica. It was all red. Um, there were not a lot of Rossoneri fans in there. I know the club's going through some hard times right now. AC Milan is, and they just been they've just been banned from European competition for the season. They still got some. They got some players there, but um, it doesn't look like the fan base is really confident. And again, the biggest um, critique of this International Champions Cup, not just from me, even as far as from uh, the Wall Street Journal's sports section, Forbes has critiqued the outrageous ticket prices for these matches. Um, just so you guys know, my the five tickets for my family, my mother, my father, my sister, myself, and my niece uh, was after fees something like $280 on my credit card. Um, you know, my family paid me back, obviously. Uh, that's not a big deal. and um, But it's a lot of money. I mean, my sister, to take her and her daughter, 100 bucks. that's before parking. Plus, it's a scorcher, right? It was absolutely... Like I said, you're frying in the sun. They're charging $4 per bottle of water inside the stadium. And you got no choice but to buy it. You don't want to pass out. Some some people did pass out. The ambulance made a few trips into the stadium. The ambulance made a few trips um, carrying people out. Not a good sight for those people. Um, perhaps another highlight for me. Obviously, a big highlight for me was being with my, my niece, Faith, nine years old. Her first ever Benfica game. Um, she wants to go to Portugal with my parents next year. And Avô promised that if, if she goes to Portugal, he will take her to a Benfica game there in Portugal. Hopefully he can make that happen. Um, being that he doesn't have a red pass and he goes to Portugal in July every year. Hopefully they'll have a game in, in Portugal next summer uh, for him to take her to. Um, even if it's, you know, the, the uh, present the sound. But even then, it, those tickets are hard to come by. But, um... Uh, I hope that she has the experience of getting to go see Benfica play in Portugal. But she had the time of her life. She had no idea how big Benfica was. I mean, you can tell a child all you want, but then you get to a stadium. You're in America, and for all intents and purposes, it was a small crowd. 27,000 and change, almost 28,000. But considering it was all Benfica fans, that's a lot of Benfiquistas. Okay, that's a lot of Benfiquistas. I... Now that we won the International Champions Cup, I call on relevant sports. Next year, put us against one of the big ones up here. You know, put it in MetLife against uh, against Real Madrid. We'll draw more than Atleti did, I bet. If you combine the thirty, the nearly thirty thousand Benfiquistas plus the ones that don't want to pay. Um, to see them play AC Milan or see them play Fiorentina, they will pay the money to see them play Real Madrid. Put us against Real Madrid next year. That That's my plea to relevant sports. Put us in a Portuguese area against Real Madrid, and please, please take Benfica back to the six. Those fans up there deserve it. Toronto, Ontario, Canada, those fans deserve a chance also to support that Benfica. So many of them. Coming down last weekend, there were Canadian flags in the crowd. I'm not making this up. Okay, go back and watch the game on one of the goals you see a fan celebrating with the Canadian flag. I know of a handful of them that were here. Okay, and that's just the sm the few Canadians I know. Can't imagine. Um, I'm, there were plenty more. I'm, I guarantee it. Um, so please, relevant sports, ICC, take Befica to the six. Okay, that that's my plea to relevant sports. 
Coming up later, at the end of the show, you will hear something you've never heard before. And um, it's quite embarrassing for me, but for my love of Benfica and as a gift to the audience, I am going to humiliate myself and play the audio of me doing my best Louise, Luis Pizarra imitation singing Ser Benfiquista from the second deck of Gillette Stadium. All right, uh, so... Um, stay tuned till the end of the show so you can hear that in the outro. All right, um, we're gonna go to the we're gonna go to Reconquista right now, and then we're gonna get back into we're gonna talk a little bit about this matchup with AC Milan. All right, um, I'll go. I'm not gonna go through it minute by minute like I normally do. Like I said, this is a different game. I was in the stadium for this game. Um, I was, you know, watching it from a different angle. I saw I had no commentary to go off of, nothing to influence me. So I'm going to tell you exactly what I saw. Okay, you all know what you saw on television if you weren't there. If you were in the stadium, you knew what you, you know what you saw. Um, but I'm going to tell you some of the things I saw that may not have made commentary on television and some of the things you only see in the stadium that you don't see on your television screen. So stay right there. We're going to play Reconquista, and we are going to be back. By the way, is Benfica going to release a new song for this season? Um, I hope they do. I hope there's a new song for this season. You know, now that the Reconquista is Reconquistado, that's right. All right. So, but stay right there. We're gonna play the song, and on the backside, we're gonna get into this match. There's also some comments coming up from the Mister Bruno Lage after the match against AC Milan. The final score was Benfica one, AC Milan zero. Benfica winning the International Champions Cup as we get ready for tomorrow's Portuguese Super Tasa Candido Oliveira. Stay right there. I am the Mister Mike Agustino. Find me on. Instagram at Mr. Benfica or on Twitter at Benfica Mr. Don't move a muscle. We will be right back. Jornada sofrida, a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós Carregas sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho O vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo 
Nós somos um eterno abrigo Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Não conseguimos ter, ter, ter a bom, aproveitar a largura que o, que o adversário nos oferecia E é quando o adversário tem uh, realmente três, três boas oportunidades Nós começamos com duas, o Milão equilibra com, com três um, na paragem equilibramos, corrigimos um pouco o nosso posicionamento um, e depois penso que numa, numa segunda parte em que corrigimos, porque nós partimos com essa, com essa ideia de, 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 de pressionar e defender o que é uma equipa em, em ozão e a forma de, de, de eles construírem o seu, o seu jogo, mas não estávamos a fazer uh, principalmente com, com os dois homens da frente, mas com a atitude deles, mas com um posicionamento incorreto, que permitiram sempre desmontar essa pressão a dois e depois ter tempo e espaço para, para jogar entre linhas isso criou-nos muitas dificuldades na segunda parte corrigimos isso e penso que fomos mais fortes quer com bola porque voltámos a criar algumas oportunidades de gol e defensivamente corrigimos e começámos a ter maior número de recuperações no meio campo ofensivo e acaba por ser uma segunda parte uh, muito melhor uh, da nossa parte. E penso que ali, a partir dos 55 minutos, um, senti que ainda veio ao de cima uh, a, nossa, a, nossa, a nossa frescura física para dar passo em frente e, e, e pressionar o, o adversário. E that was Bruno Lage there, uh, talking about the match against Milan last Sunday. And he talked about, I think he made a good point, and I'll just paraphrase for you, in case for those that don't understand Portuguese, what he said was, um, in the first half, he broke it down a little. The first half was difficult, um, and the conditions were difficult. Like I said, the pitch was in horrible condition. I can't stress that enough. This, this pitch was horrible. Um, whether, I don't even know if, if the players, coaches, I know the television commentators were not aware. This was a temporary pitch put in over a synthetic artificial surface. I'm not sure that anyone uh, covering the match was fully aware of that, you know, other than, you know, local American uh, people aware of the process that that stadium is normally an artificial synthetic uh, turf surface. So they placed that grass. That grass had no... No roots, okay? And uh, Elder Kondut said on, BT on BTV that it was a field that was... He hadn't seen a field full of sand before. Well, the sand is there for a very specific reason. You see, that, that again, that sand... That field has no... That pitch has no roots. It's sitting on top of a rubber field. The sand is there, one, to pat it down so it doesn't get ripped up. Two, it absorbs any water if, if it were to rain. Now, they were hosing the field off at halftime trying to trying to keep it alive essentially. They're trying to keep that grass alive at halftime with this long fire hose. And, and my father made a funny comment cuz he goes as he was as the they were making their way around the stadium with the hose. Of course cuz you can't put any irrigation system because there's a there's a synthetic field under there and that sits on on concrete and rubber so there's no way you can get you can get any kind of piping in there to do it so they have to carry around this fire hose 
And he goes, at my father's like, doesn't he know by the time he gets all the way around, it's going to be completely dry where he started. I mean, it was so hot. This was, I'm not one to complain about heat. And it was, this was heat that, that was bothering me. I mean, everyone there lost, lost, you know, 10 pounds of water weight, uh, just sweating in that stadium. And the sun just beating on us. I mean, I was, I was sunburnt uh, and I, that hasn't happened to me in a couple of years. And I left there sunburnt. Um, but Bruno Lage, going back to the tough conditions, said that in the first half, you know, the team that had the ball was able to do a little bit. Neither team really was able to do much without the ball, defensively speaking. Um, and then he said he, he found the first half very difficult. But in the second half, uh, the team grew and they were better. They began to correct their mistakes is what he said. Kuchijid means to correct. They began to correct their, their mistakes. And um, little by little, by the 55th minute, he said that their fitness was starting to kick in. And as Milan were perhaps were perhaps tiring out, that extra bit of fitness w was starting to kick in. And um, the go the goal was it was what it was. It was a broken play, you know. Um, Abelta Adelta rapped. Uh, he, hey, if you don't shoot, you don't score. That's the oldest saying in the book. Michael Jordan, the great NBA basketball player, once had a great quote where he said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Absolutely true. Tarap takes a shot. It didn't have to be good. It hit somebody, and it found its way into the goal. Um, and Benfica won, won the cup, won the game, and won the cup as a result. Um, so... Hey, World Cups are won on toe pokes and own goals. There's so you gotta shoot, you gotta put it on goal, whatever it takes. Um, but I agree with with Bruno Lajen that the second half was much better. I'm not gonna come on here today and tell you that they played phenomenally. This was not a good game, but there's multiple reasons for that. Like I said, this is a training. People forget that this is still a training. Preseason games, though against a strong opposition and in a quote-unquote tournament um, format, are still essentially training sessions, okay? Um, that's why Bruno Lage kept his players on the field through 70 minutes again. He He's stretching out their fitness base. He is trying to keep the end. I, I think it's it's a good plan because when they try to play tomorrow at the Stadio do Algarve, it... At night, it's going to be much cooler than it was last Sunday in Gillette Stadium. Maybe they'll get an extra an extra air of uh, of freshness, an extra air of 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 spring in their step when uh, they step on the pitch tomorrow. And it's not you know sweltering, and they're not. No matter how hot it gets in Portugal, they do not, at least on mainland Portugal, get the humidity that we get here. It's all dry. The humidity is something Europeans are not used to. Okay, It's something you see in South America, and it's a reason that the game in South America has played so much slower. We talk about it. You watch even top-level teams from Brazil, Argentina. There's a, a different pace they play. Well, they you know, when they're playing in the summer and they're playing in the heat and the humidity, you can't run up and down the pitch the way an English premier team does. It's just the human body doesn't work that way. You need oxygen in the lungs. When it's that humid, you're, that humid excuse me, you're breathing in water. You're breathing in a lot of water, and it makes it hard to breathe and makes it hard to play, um, especially when you're not used to it. So I think Benfica handled that quite well considering the conditions they were playing in, something so unfamiliar to them. Um, even out in California, it's dry heat. Here on the East Coast, it's humid, especially this time of year. Um, 
Mario on on Befica after ninety on his episode after the match. You know, I think it was last Tuesday. He they aired it, brought out some stats, and though it didn't look pretty from Befica uh, throughout the 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 ICC, there was a lot of play that was was quite de- quite frankly ugly. Uh, Befica connected on eighty nine percent of their passes in this tournament, blowing every other team out of the water. Okay. Um, also, I said last last episode, and I stand by. They trained through these matches. They did not train for these matches. I'm hopeful, and I'm and I'm and I'm confident and optimistic that tomorrow against Sporting, this is a match they have trained for, not a match they've trained through. So they will have, they will have cut back some of the fitness, some of the the hard work in the past two or three days in order to have a better physical peak if you will, on Sunday uh, to feel better, to be more at a, a higher fitness level because they'll no longer be in a stage of recovery. The starters in this one for Benfica will start obviously uh, in the goal and he was the man of the match for me. I know Tarap won the award, but for me the man of the match was the goalkeeper. It was Odi. Odi Seyes Vlakodimo. He was the man of the match. Uh, he started in goal. The back line was the same four we had seen uh, earlier in the week. It was Nuno Tavares as a makeshift right back uh, filling in for the injured Andrea Almeida. The usual center back pairing, Ruben Diaz and Ferru, and on the left, it was Alejandro Grimaldo. The midfield, four-man midfield. Um, you had Fasia wearing the captain's armband and starting in this one in his normal spot right in front of the center backs with Gabriel, Pizzi, and Rafa helping him out. Tarapt would play as a as a link between the midfield and Haris Seferovic, the striker, the reigning golden boot winner in Portuguese football. Um, looking at the lineup, a little bit of a, of a surprise for me. I didn't expect to see that, that many starters playing, considering how long Lige played them a few night, you know, on the Wednesday night before. Um, clearly, this is his team. Um, I expected I expected Samadij and not Fasia to start, but... Um, Again, to go back to to be after ni- BA ninety, um, Alex is concerned about where Samadi stands in this team. I'm not concerned. I think the the fact that he played so little is because I think we know what we have with Samadi. Uh, Aphasia, in my opinion, was on the field um, is sort of a shop window item. Um, he's playing to show everybody he's healthy now, and that he um, you know there's teams that want to purchase him. But perhaps Bruno Lage is going to keep him as well. I don't know. Right now, through this preseason, Florentino is the best one in that position for me. But we went with Fasia to start. All right. And then the other surprise was Tarapt starting um, in the supporting forward role, which I expected to see Shikinu there for this game. Or perhaps um, perhaps Caillou or even... Or even Jota playing there for this game. I thought he was going to change it up a little bit. He did not. Um, that spot seems to belong to Raul de Tomas, um, RGT. We'll see. Pretty much everyone is projecting him to be starting tomorrow against Sporting. By the time you hear this, you'll know the answer to that most likely. Uh, as to who started with Seferovic against Sporting. But um, it, it really became more of a 4-5-1 than it was a 4-1-1. 
but what I did notice again, Nuno Tavares on the right hand side, very um, uncomfortable, hard to watch even. Um, every time that ball comes to his right foot, the play dies. He has to cut it back to his left. He's dying to go inside with his left, but as the outside back, that's not really something that is is there for him. And um, right now, Benfica don't have any other solutions. They don't have any other options. I'm not sure, again, like I said, how the board let this happen, that we get to this point where we're going to start the season officially tomorrow in the league in, in a week's time, and we don't have a healthy right-side defender in our roster. Um, but it's going to be Nuno Tavares for now. Um, perhaps, you know, he may develop into something. But if you saw in the second half, once he went on the left, he is a hundred times the player on the left than he is on the right. Um, also, again, Seferovic, if you've ever had the chance to see how the, how hard this guy works on the pitch, um, inside the stadium, off the ball, I mean, this guy was running and running and running. The heat did not get to this man. He was running hard all game. You know, he was making the Milan back line work all game. Um, opening he opened space for his teammates so well, and you know, yeah, he was the leading scorer last year. And he scored a lot of goals. He does not get enough credit for how much space he opens with his runs. The big reason João Felix had twenty of his own goals last year uh, were were because of some of the space that Seferovic opened for him, and um, it, the the same could hold true for Raúl de Tomas this year. We'll have to wait and see. I know a lot of Benficistas are doubting whether or not that partnership is going to work. But one thing you can't doubt is that Bruno Lage has options. If RDT and Seferovic doesn't work, Jota has come on in every match and looked good. Um, Shikinyu has played well there. Shikinyu can, is serving two roles right now. Looks like Shikinyu is the backup to Pizzi as the right-sided midfielder, and he's also the backup to whoever the second forward is going to be, whether it be Raul de Tomas or somebody else. Uh, Vinicius now, he is in the lineup for tomorrow. We're yet to have seen him play. He trained by himself the whole time, uh, caught up with his team this week, so that we don't know yet what we have in that player either. Um, also, uh, another good performance from Rafa, in my opinion. Uh, Rafa gets better as the game goes, and that's because... His speed gets harder to stay with as the other team tires. And um, early in the game, he was losing some balls. But uh, as the game went on, just like against Fiorentino, Rafa gets better and better. And um, absolutely pivotal part of this Benfica team. And no one else can do exactly what he does. So he, he's huge. And um, he deserves it. You know, he, he sat and waited his time. He had two tough, tough seasons at Benfica before breaking out. Or maybe a season and three quarters before breaking out. And um, I really liked what I saw from Rafa. Just so much work. Such a high work rate. Um, PZ did not have a good game again. Um, it, it has not been a good preseason for PZ in my opinion. But... You know, when it starts for real, PZ may just may just turn it on again. Um, for those of you that don't know, it, it sounds like PZ did, in fact, um, turn down the offer to wear the number 10 jersey this year, um, stating that the number 10 is for players like Jonas and players of that level. He doesn't consider himself there. Very humble guy. Um, I think PZ should be wearing the number 10 jersey, personally. Uh, he, is, he is the assist king. He is a symbol for Benfica. He's a worker in the midfield. Uh, he's been here a long time. I think he's going to be here a long time. He's such a pivotal 
part of Befica's attack and Befica's entire eleven on the field. Um, I would have I pr would have preferred to see Peasy wearing the number ten this season, but if he doesn't want to wear it, he doesn't want to wear it. Um, who knows? Maybe there's still a signing out there that's going to come in here and, and wear that jersey. I don't know. Um, rumor has it Caillou is on his way out on loan, which I don't understand. Caillou was fantastic in this preseason. Um, good again on Sunday when he came on in the second half. Um, Milan were controlling play a bit in the first half, like we said. Befica, maybe it's possible they were working on their defensive shape also in the 4-5-1 slash 4-4-1-1 formation. We never know what these teams are, are, are going into the match, um, what their objectives are in these preseason matches. Um, and just because he tell, you know the coach says something in the press conference doesn't mean there were a secondary and... and um, other motives and other objectives in the match that they were working on and trying to resolve other things that they were trying to to you know try out before they do this for real um but i think benfica have everything there they have depth they have everything there to be a team to really um win the portuguese league this year uh, i'm not saying it's going to be easy but at this stage in the season and you know you, you don't win races in the beginning but you certainly can lose them in the beginning and Benfica was very lucky last year not to lose the race at the beginning. But um, at this stage, at this early stage, Benfica are the most stabilized, the most, um, they're the deepest squad, I think, for sure right now in Portugal outside of the right-back situation and the goalkeeping situation because um, I'm going to be honest, and I said it last week, I don't think we have a valid uh, backup goalkeeper that I trust to to man the goals for any length of time should something happen to Odie, who was out of this world in this match against Milan. Big save after big save. He kept the ball out of the net. There's no doubt that um, if Slobin or if Svilar were the goalkeeper in this match that I don't think Befica would have won the match. I think they were fortunate um, that... Odie was in goal for this one because he did save them, surely, um, several times. Um, going back again to the first half, we had a lot of slow play. Play was really slow, but again, guys, they're playing on a field that if you've never walked on a pitch, a grass pitch that's over a, a synthetic pitch like this one is, it's like playing in, in on the beach almost. It's like standing on pillows. Very hard to, to run, very hard to get off the ground, to push off, because the ground is very uh, unstable. It's very soft, um, and the grass, you know, the, the, the sod is moving as it sits on top of a plastic field, essentially. Um, so I give them a lot of, of slack in this one. Um, that and, and, of course, the heat again. Yeah, the heat was there for both teams, but I think Befica's tr further along in their preseason preparation. They're training harder than Milan is at this point, um, and I think it showed. But what we found out after is that Befica were playing 11 versus 11 matches um, You know, in between these, these ICC matches against local teams. And, yeah, they're playing amateurs, but it's still 90 minutes of work, and it's, it's not your average recovery session. So... They're playing tired, there's no question. And, of course, they've been in the United States for two weeks. And I think it was what I was worried about, it, it, to an extent, was true, is that team looked ready to go home. They had, uh, you know, been 
two weeks away from their families, two weeks away from their their normal uh, everyday routines, two two weeks away from you know their their normal foods, their normal uh, their normal breakfast, what whatever it is that they do it in their own home, they were not able to do. Um, you know, surrounded by your teammates 24 hours a day for two weeks is is also different. You know, there's a lack of quiet time, if you will. And some players need that, depending on the personality. Some players are much more introverted than others, and they need the quiet time. And being in a hotel room is not the ideal place for mental, um, mental you know, refresh to refresh mentally and to to rebuild mentally and to recover mentally, I guess is what I'm from the pressures and the, the, the workload uh, of being a professional athlete. So, um, that, that definitely contributed, I think to the, la- the somewhat lackluster performance, especially in the first half. But again, you know, it goes into the half. Befica are not behind. They did well. Um, they're not conceding goals in this in this preseason, aside from when Slobin's in goal, and I don't think Slobin's the the problem on those goals. It's just those. Maybe it's the way he sets up the team in front of him that's the problem, and not so much his goalkeeping. I don't know. He speaks pretty decent Portuguese, so he is able to communicate. But um, for whatever reason, in, when he is in goal, the ball finds its way into the back of our goal. Um, but overall. Uh, I think there was a lot of work done in this preseason. I think there was a lot of growth. You know, the first half closes. There was a cooling break. And let me tell you, there was this MC that was the most obnoxious thing I've ever seen at a soccer match or at a football match. Okay? It's one thing before the game to be out there with the microphone, getting fans excited and and saying, you know, if you're, do we have any Benfica fans in here? And he would, you know, point to them, Benfica fans. And do we have any Milan fans? Yeah. But when this this dude comes out on the cooling break, the three minute cooling break, and he's trying to like hype up the crowd, it's like, dude, just shut up, man. <laughs> I mean, it was it was obnoxious to me at least. Um, going to halftime, they have this ridiculous halftime penalty kick shootout where uh, these kids are. One kid was representing Benfica, one kid representing Milan, and. The kid is sh- they're shooting on their own mascot. Like the Benfica, uh, the Agia sat in goal to to try to save the Benfica kids' penalty kick. It made no sense. They should have been shooting on each other's, on the other team's uh, mascot at least to make it a little more uh, realistic, a little more normal. But um, just a very uh, this is a very American uh, piece to this tournament. They love to. They love to insert secondary entertainment. Um, the American way is that the match or the game, depending on the sport you're going to see, can't be the only entertainment. They got to add cheerleaders. They got to add marching bands. They got to add dancers. They've got to add, you know, throwing T-shirts from the or shooting T-shirts out of a cannon into the crowd. They got to tell you to get up and make some noise. It's just all this other things that go along with with American sports. And the other thing I hated, guys, was, uh, and it happened in the Red Bull game, and it didn't get to me so much um, then. I thought it might have just been. But what's with these, the the walkout being one team at a time? I thought that was, that looked horrible, and it killed the atmosphere in the stadium. Um, The fans weren't sure how to react to that. You know, you're looking for the two teams to walk out with the referee, the referees, to the you know to Seven Nation Army or to the FIFA anthem, and instead it's 
you know, the teams are walking out one at a time. I didn't like that either. Um, so there's some things organizationally I didn't like about the way the, the match and the tournament were played. But all in all, it's a good tournament, clearly, and uh, the big teams want to be in it, and only big teams are in it. That's why someone like Fiorentina will take the the invitation on a moment's notice, which is what they did this year. Um, at halftime, the it looked like they, they readjusted. They came out pretty much with the same team, um, and Befica were moving a little bit better in the second half. They were going now, and they were starting to establish a bit more of a rhythm on the ball and starting to create chances again, which they had not done in the first half. And in the second half, Benfica really, again, like I said, started to to, to push their weight around a little bit more, started to create chances. Um, again, Harris Seferovic, unbelievable work rate. In, in, in those conditions, on that surface, to put that kind of work rate, I couldn't believe how much that guy was working. I couldn't believe how long Bruno Lage kept him in in that game, uh, given how hard he was working. Um, we saw, you know, we saw, like I said, a better half from Rafa in the second half. Gabriel not at his best in this one, and you guys know how I feel about Gabriel, man. But he did not have a great game, and, you know, the guys in... Uh, on Benfica FVM are saying they it, it he looks a little pesado for them a little a little heavy, uh, perhaps he's still working off some of the uh, some of weight he put on uh, as a result of the injury and being sidelined for so long. It's possible. Um, I have full confidence in the guy that when he when it starts for real that he's going to be able to play even if he can't uh, press at the rate he he did last year right away he will work his way back up to that. Um, you know the antis are saying that it's it's the Gabriel from Rui Vitoria that's back. I don't think so. Um, he shows little things that shows just uh, how good he is, even if he's not fully fit. He took a couple knocks too, um, and uh, it looked like he kind of limped his way through the match. But um, again, you know these conditions, um, especially coming back from an injury, he's still trying to find his rhythm. Um, I have full confidence that Gabriel is gonna be is gonna be the Gabriel we know. Um, very hard for the team to press in this match. Obviously, they were able to do it as the game went on um, and as they got fresh legs onto the field. Of course, seventieth minutes where we saw the goal. Okay, it starts with Rafa playing through, beating several people, and getting taken down right at the edge of the box. All right, Pizzi's free kick is saved by Pepe Reina, but um, it ensues in a corner kick that is cleared poorly by the Milan backline, finds its way to Tarapt, who fires a shot, and it goes off of a Milan a Milan defender, redirects past Reyna, who had already dove uh, the opposite way. He's not able to reach his leg back and stop it. And Befica take the lead. Gillette Stadium erupts for the 27,000 in the, in the two lower levels um, of the stadium. And uh, Benfica see it out. They make massive substitutions in the second cooling break. Um, again, like I said, I was in the stadium. Um, you're not going to get the same analysis you usually get from me tonight. Um, this is more about my experience viewing the game, what I saw with my eyes. Um, not so much what I collected from, you know, longer study. Um, I have watched the game both in Portuguese and in English, but not as closely as I would have liked. Um, I did notice, though, 
Um, I feel disrespected by com- the English language commentary. Um, Befica was so overwhelmingly supported in this tournament, um, and yet the the commentary fails to to show it. And I kept that bit that I played at the open. That's now going to be part of my open every week. I think. Um, is where he said he's surprised that Befica have as much support as they do. That's, you know, the English language media doesn't do its homework. Had that been, you know, say it had been an English team that had an 80% uh, crowd, you know, 80% of the support in the crowd, they'd be talking about how great the fans are being so far away and how how, how strong their ties are to the team and just how how much support the team has and because it's Benfica they don't even acknowledge that the there was only red in that stadium whether it was at Red Bull Arena or at or at Gillette Stadium maybe the stadium wasn't full but i feel like even if it were they would have they would they would have played it up like it was a split crowd and i don't understand it the only chanting you hear is is Benfica chants okay I guess, and I'm not surprised, they don't recognize that as a Benfica chant, as most of the English-speaking world is completely ignorant to the Portuguese league. And I know it's not a top league, but the top three, the top teams are top teams, and they are supported like top teams, okay? Especially Benfica. No team in the world has the, the kind of uh, support outside its country the way Benfica does. I'm sorry, not not even Man- not even Manchester United, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay, I've seen Manchester United in the United States. I have seen Barcelona in the United States. I have seen them all. Okay, Real Madrid. A lot. They sell a lot of tickets, but those are not f- fans at the same aspect that we Benficistas are because there are no chants going on when Be- when Manchester United play there's very little chance going on people are just kind of um, chanting things like let's go United or they're making their own American chants and they're very hard to hear and they don't they don't last very long Benfica goes into this comes into this tournament and we're we're singing glorioso SLB at the top of our lungs um, yeah, it's not like the Benfica fans in Portugal. A lot of people don't know the chairs, the chance here either. But they know SLB, 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 Glorioso, SLB. They know that one, okay? They know the one where one side of the stadium says Benfica and the other side says it back, okay? And that's already ten times more than the fans of these 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 super clubs, right? The fans of uh, of Manchester United, Real Madrid, Barcelona, to be exact. Um, you know, Juventus has a big fan base, but you know they don't they don't sing through the match. They don't. Um, and and really, Bayern Munich, you don't hear at least. Perhaps I'm wrong about this. I haven't seen too many Bayern Munich games in the ICC, but you don't, you know, you just. I don't think it's the same type of support that Benfica has. Okay, we all subscribe. Almost all of us subscribe to the team's television network. Joao Martins was a celebrity at at Gillette Stadium last week. Joao Martins is a TV personality that covers Benfica. He's a reporter. And, you know, there was mobs of people getting pictures with them. Absolutely mobs of people. Um, also, you know, 
we're we're a different type of fan group, a different type of fan base, and we're uh, I I dare to say we're a bit more hardcore than the others. Um, at least as a group, we are. We go in large numbers. We travel. Okay, we they put Benfica on a weekend in North America, and there will be a contingent that makes its way there, even if it's in Chicago. You know, you got you got the Canada contingent that's not very far from Chicago. If it's you know, not that far from the East Coast, Chicago's easy to get to. West Coast, it's easy to get to. Even though the community's not there, if it's you know on a weekend, we can get there. Playing games in the middle of the week is not the same. Okay, it was harder to get people in the stadium. Obviously, at Red Bull Arena Wednesday. Why is that? That's because tickets are 50 bucks a pop, okay? People are going to have to choose between going to one game or the other. Um, and it looks like a lot of people chose to come to, to, to Foxborough rather than to go to Gillette. And I, I, I'm going to go on a limb and say that there were almost as many people from New Jersey in Gillette Stadium as there were from in Red Bull Arena because I think there were people even from New Jersey that decided they were going to come on Sunday to Gillette Stadium rather than buy two tickets. It's just too much. You have a couple kids. You you know, you want to bring the whole family. It's a fortune. And ICC really has to do something about these ticket prices, you know, um, because – and they said this on BTV when they talked about it, and they talked about the fan base here in the United States. They recognize it, and I think the club – Gets an A-plus, like I said. Or I, I give them an A-minus because they didn't have anybody um, signing people up for to be a sausage. They weren't selling any kit sausage. Um, but aside from that, the marketing aspect, they 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 came here, okay? They, they made a presence. They made much more of an effort than the other teams, okay? They had their booths. They had their trophy here. They brought legends. They opened, you know, they made appearances away from the f- games, um, Befica really, really worked hard in this Champions Cup to uh, to to market themselves and put themselves out there. Um, you know the Twitter handle, you know at SL Benfica En for English, um, tweeting in English. This is something I've been calling for, and maybe we're on that we're on that road to where they're understanding. But um, I do, for the first time, feel. Like Befica appreciate us here, and uh, and this tour really did that because they brought the trophy, they brought the the players, they performed, they they made it to the events. It's not easy. I know it's not easy. They made that effort. The president was at the matches. The you know, the coach made the team accessible. That that's that in itself is huge. Open practices, accessibility, allowing fans to see the players. To see the guys they root for. Um, this was a job well done by Benfica. All right. I, I, I'm going to say that. And it's up to the ICC to give us tougher competition next year. Um, give us give us bigger names. See if we can draw a big house. Who knows? Um, if the, Yeah, you know, the Antis, the Portistas are, are already, you know, they're commenting all over the social media, all over the, the Portuguese uh, Sports Daily websites. You know, a ball a record about how we were given the three easiest matches. Well, it wasn't supposed to be that way to an extent. We Milan and we were supposed to play Roma is not an easy match. Chivas, if the whole team was there, would not have been a 3 nothing match. You know, things kind of worked out the way they did. But Benfica did everything they could. They got on the field. They won the games. 
They put on a good enough performance. Um, they sent the fan, the American fans home happy. The Portuguese-American slash American Cape Verdean. There was Brazilian fans there also wearing Benfica, Benfica garb. Absolutely uh, fantastic job by Benfica in that sense. They sent the fans home happy. I don't think anybody regrets spending the money to go to see them last week or at any of these matches because they gave us something in every match. Um, going forward now. Um, we're going to ha- take another break and then I'm going to talk a little bit about the Super Cup. I'm going to talk a little bit about what um, player personnel wise looks like some players are going to be moving um, on loan. Um, I've heard some rumors. I'll share them a little bit. Um, may still have some players coming in. Nothing concrete, uh, but we will. I will do a quick preview of what to expect. Um, like I said, by the time most of you hear this, Benfica and Sporting will have already played. I'm just going to give you my thoughts on it quickly. And um, we will be right back after we pay a bill here. All right, so stay tuned. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho. This is Mr. Benfica. At Mr. Benfica on Instagram and at Benfica Mr. on Twitter. Stay right there. We will be right back. Welcome back to Mr. Benfica. Welcome back to episode 23, Benfica in the USA, part 3. I am your host, of course, the Mr. Mike Agustinho. And you can find me, as always, on Twitter at Benfica Mr. on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. And by searching Mr. Benfica on Facebook. Alright, uh, those of you, of course, that are my friend on Facebook, you can also friend me if you'd like. On my personal page, my name is Mike Agustinho, M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. Those of you that were are my friends on Facebook, you have seen the video of my Luigi Pizarra um, <laughs> duet, if you will, with the the great, the late great tenor um, who sings Benfica's... Um, because I de, de facto anthem, Ser uh, Benfiquista. It's not Benfica's official anthem. The official anthem is Avante Benfica, but it was um, it was heavily discouraged and it was uh, banned, if I'm not mistaken, by the regime back in the days of Salazar. And so Ser Benfiquista has kind of taken the role of the anthem. Um, and speaking of that, okay, I want to take a minute to just promote a couple podcasts out there that I think everyone should check out, okay? Of course, you've got your nor- the ones I'm always I'm always promoting, the 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 English language ones. You got Benfica podcast with Alfredo and Cristiano. Uh, bummed I didn't get a chance to meet them last Sunday. I know they they met up with Mario and with and with Cynthia and with Nina and with Timo. Um but I just couldn't get to that lot unfortunately. Um you also got Benfica After 90, it's a YouTube series. Um, if you don't know, check it out after every Benfica match. I'm sure they're going to be going on shortly after the Benfica Sporting Super Cup game um, live. They go around 9, 7 p.m. If you follow them at Twitter, at Benfica After 90, you can um, see they will tweet out the time that they're going live. If you miss them live, catch them on YouTube, okay? Mario, Dylan, Alex, oh, they're fantastic. Uh, Luis has, was in with them uh, a week ago, and this week they had another guest. They had um, Mr. Viveros there. They had Jeff Viveros, I believe, um, from from uh, Toronto there with them. Uh, very good show. They break down the match great. You know, Mario uses some great graphics that he puts together. 
Um, they do it in a video format. Check them out. Azagiish, I'm waiting for you to get back, girls. Where are you? Where are you? I'm waiting for the episode, the first episode of the new season of Azagiish. Uh, Nina, Cynthia, and Maz, awesome show. I recommend that to anyone. And if you haven't, oh, of course, also Benfica FM. Always check that out if you understand Portuguese. And if you understand Portuguese, you need to check out the the two new ones. Okay. One that I've kind of binge listened to this summer, um, Ubrinkt Batista, Baptista with a P, B A P T I S T A, Ubrinkt Batista. Okay, um, it's a it's a series featuring um, Baquero is on there, I believe, from uh, from Benfica FM, and uh, they talk about different a wide range of topics. Regarding Benfica, and not only they had a great episode um, also on Middlesbrough. Uh, sorry, Nottingham Forest, not Middlesbrough. I apologize; it's getting late. It's one thirty-two a.m. right now. Uh, so, but they had a great episode about uh, Middlesbrough's rise from from you know the second division in England to the European Championship under Brian Clough back in the late seventies. And I'm a huge Brian Clough fan. Um, that, that Brian Clough, Don Reeve story, if you don't know about it, man, you got to check it out. Um, do some research, search it. It was the, it was Brian Clough at the time, the manager of Derby County and, and, uh, Don Reeve, the manager of Leeds United in the seventies, great rivalry, um, playing out on TV. Oh, absolutely great stuff. And they talked about it. Also, this other new podcast I have to promote, I have to I have to give it a promo here. It is um, Historia Gloriosa. Okay, it's a Portuguese podcast, also. Um, Historia, just like in English history, except instead of a Y, I A, and Gloriosa, just like the Glorioso, except with an A on the end. You gotta check this out. This is a history of Benfica. If, if you don't know, I'm a huge nerd when it comes to history. I love history. I love all kinds of history: American, European, Western civilization. I love it all, but Benfica history, I, I'm glued, I'm like waiting, like salivating for the next episode all the time, they got three episodes out so far, okay, um, I believe it's Nuno Baquero and the the historian himself, Alberto Miguel, uh tells the story, the first three episodes have been phenomenal, it starts with the founding of Benfica in Belém. You follow them all the way around around Lisbon as the teams moved around because for the first 50 years the club did not have a did not have a a home stadium really. They moved from from place to place, starting in Belém as Sport Lisboa. You know, moving to Benfica, playing in, in the Quinta dos Marrocos, playing in Campo Grande, playing no Estádio das Amoreiras. Okay. Um, and then finally building the Stade de Luge on the property, you know, you see today. Absolutely fantastic, fantastic show. Um, they, they break it down. They're up to, in episode three, they went from 1924 to 1934. And, uh, you know, they tie in, obviously, what was going on in the world and in Portugal particularly at the time. So, so you know... Um, the p political climate, the the economic climate of the time, all relative. Uh, you hear about Cosmo Damião and how he ran the team, and you hear about players. And believe it or not, already in, at the very beginning, Sporting stole uh, half of our team right at the beginning. All right, it tells you how the clubs were formed and 
And I think this is where the connection to Befica is so strong because they were never a franchise. Here in North America, teams are started as franchises. You have no reason to support them other than the fact that the league has decided to put a team in your city. That's how it works here in North America. Benfica didn't start that way. Teams in Europe don't start that way. Benfica started as a group of guys who got together to play ball. All right, they got together. They met at the Farmacia Franco in Belém. Benfica started in Belém, believe it or not, where Bolognese would later become the team. Another team that would break away and that would steal half of Benfica's team, you know, years later. But Befica started as an amateur club. They started adding sports. Um, and then the last episode was great, which I hope to, to talk about this someday in a longer format, more in-depth, how cycling really is what brought Benfica to the rest of Portugal. When cycling went to a Volta Portugal, Benfica and Sporting began competing stage by stage all around the country for the yellow jersey and to win the stages of of the Volta Portugal, the Tour of Portugal. And it was really cycling that made Benfica the team that it is today, that made him the symbol. And as you can see, the, the, the bicycle wheel is still in our badge. It's still on our crest. All right. And um, we know that, that uh, there's rumors that Benfica are looking into changing the crest completely. And we saw the rebranding that Juventus had a few years ago where they went to just a J. Because these 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 badges, these crests are so detailed, they're hard to reproduce, and they're expensive to reproduce, and it sounds like Benfica are looking into a rebranding, but also Benfica have to deal with um, the sauce use. They got to deal with the assemblage at all. So they can't just go make changes the way Juventus can because Juventus is owned by, by the Jeep company, by Fiat. And they can do whatever they want because their owners know. Benfica is owned by the members. So the SAD can't just do whatever it wants. But um, check out, again, check out those podcasts. You know, I have a bucket list item now where I want to just, uh, I'd love to meet Albert Miguel and, uh, you know, get an Uber or something and have him show me around Lisbon. Show me all the places Benfica used to play, you know, all the where their fields used to be. And he talked in this week's episode about how, it was hard to get a field because finding land in Lisbon in the 20s and 30s that was flat enough for enough space to put down a field was hard. Lisbon has a lot of hills, and it, they didn't have the excavating you know, and bulldozing capabilities we have today to flatten land and to make a field. So really stuff you never think about. So if you understand Portuguese and you think you'd like it, please check that podcast out. Give those guys some love. They do a great job. They work very hard. Um, again, that's História Gloriosa and O Brinco de Batista. Okay? Check that out. Now, we're going to talk real quick about the Super Cup um, tomorrow, tonight now. It, it'll be this afternoon here in the United States. 3.45 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time. One, uh, 12.45 Pacific. It is being broadcast on RTP among other places, but I know at least of RTP, uh, my DVR is set so that I can watch it several times, hopefully. But um, yes, it, it will be at the Estadio do Algarve, Benfica, the champions, taking on the cup winners, Sporting Clube de Portugal, Bruno Fernandes, still a member of Sporting, 
Watch how fast he sells after this game. He they're keeping they did everything they can to keep him for this game because as you know, a match against Benfica is the World Cup final for for uh Sporting Club Portugal. So um I am optimistic about this game. I think Benfica are much, much further along and much better in their preparation right now. And I'm sorry, I was talking down for a second. Um, I think they're much better and they're um, further along, like I said. And I think Benfica, um, they had fewer changes. They they kept a core of the team that was simply better than the core that Spartan kept. And... Um, Aside from that one loss, you know, in the in the Portuguese Cup last year, Sporting really uh, does has not had a good history against us recently. Of course, Benfica also don't have a good history in the Supertaça Candida Oliveira, the Super Portuguese Super Cup. You remember the last time these two teams met was uh, the first Rui Vitória versus JJ uh, showdown in which JJ got the better of Benfica, um, beating his former team on a goal from Teo uh, Gutierrez, um, the Colombian international. And uh, if you remember, J.J. really disrespectful towards Benfica in that game, talking about, uh, and towards Rui Vitória, to be fair, talking about having a Ferrari but not knowing how to drive it and, um, you know, calling Benfica's team a Ferrari but, but having a driver that, that can't drive it. Um, and I, if you remember, Jonas went on to the Sporting bus and told George Jesus, he's gonna he's gonna respect his you know he's gonna respect Benfica just because he switched clubs doesn't mean he's gonna disrespect the team. And um, later that season, Sporting of course winning three nothing at the Stadio de Luz. But we all know who lifted the trophy at the end of the season that year. It was none other than Benfica, Rui Vitoria's first year there and the Tricampionato um, on a comeback not much different to the one we saw last year. The only difference was. We came back on Sporting that year. Last year, we came back on Porto. Um, Porto, I mean, Sporting um, have not had a great preseason. I think they've lost pretty much every game. Um, they 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 did draw with Liverpool at Yankee Stadium the same night Benfica were at, were at Red Bull Arena. So, irony, instead of having a penalty shootout, Benfica, Sporting and Liverpool are sharing the Western Union Cup this year. The Cup will spend six months in each team's museum. One of the stupidest things I've ever heard. Um, sounds like something Sporting would be a part of. But no, in all seriousness, this is a tough game. And Bruno, Bruno Fernandes is going to be... He's going to be very determined to leave Sporting with the trophy. He wants very badly to beat Benfica, of course. And um, the Sportingistas, you know, this is everything to them. Uh, Baj Dost is probably going to be back in the lineup. We haven't seen him uh, the last couple times we've played. So um, it could be a matchup. Uh, again, I'm very worried about the right side of the defense, which I said about last week, especially going forward. But even defensively, um, you know, they could, you could find Sporting exploiting that side of the field. Uh, I, I expect us to have to win the battle in midfield. Um, I ex here's the 11 I'm expecting, and we'll see how close I get to the real thing. But I'm expecting Odie in goal. The back four is going to be the same as it's been. Uh, Nuno Tavares, uh, Ferro and Dias, and Grimaldo, the midfield. I'm expecting to see 
Tino and Gabriel. I'm expecting to see Florentine, Florentine Luis and Gabriel as the two center mids. PZ and Rafa on the outsides with Raul de Tomas, RDT, playing with Seferovic up top. That's my expectation. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, however, if you see Samadish start in this game. Samadish is just an experienced player. And part of the reason I think he didn't play a lot is because he doesn't need to. That's that's my personal opinion. I think if he needed to play, Bruno Lage would have played him. Okay, um, Bruno Lage knows this team better than we do, obviously. He's with them every day. They've been doing two-a-days for, for two weeks, three weeks now. They're ready to go. I'm sure they're hungry to get this game in. And... Um, May the best team win. You know, it's still it's still early, and um, the teams are still finding their footing, but I fully expect Benfica to show up for this one. I don't expect them to lay an egg. Um, I'm not saying they're going to win, but I expect them to, to compete and to, to play better than we have seen in the, in the International Champions Cup now that Benfica are on home soil back um, in their home routines. So... Um, I do expect Benfica to win this match tomorrow, but it'll be tough. Um, and I think any Benfica should expect that. Uh, after all, we are the defending champions. Yes, João Felix has moved on. He's killing it at Atletico Madrid right now. But um, I think we have more than enough uh, more than enough in the squad to, to better Sporting. Um, just a few things. Uh, it sounds like Jander Khadij is going to go on loan to Bolinas Saad. And it sounds like Caio Lucas, who I was very happy with in this preseason, he's not in the squad tomorrow. He's not in the 18, which which kind of uh, surprises me given how good of a preseason he had. Nope, he's not there, nor is Fasia. Um, Zlobin is the second goalkeeper, so Svilar not in the, in the team either for tomorrow. But aside from that, like I said, I told I said who I think will play. When substitutes are called on, I think it's going to be Shikinu, Jota, and uh, if necessary, we still got Servi. We still got uh, we still got. Well, Servi is probably the third option coming in tomorrow, um, and you still got either Samaris or Florentino, whichever one doesn't start. If you need a defensive-minded substitution. But I think that's going to be a wrap on episode 23, everybody. Like promised, coming up right now is <laughs> my rendition of, of Sir Benfiquista. You can hear my terrible singing. Um, like I said, it's, it, the video's funny. If you find me on Facebook, Mike Agustinho, you will see it there. Friend me and you will see it. Um, the video's quite funny, but uh, you can hear the audio. I saved it. Uh, just for this, and it's uh, something I want to share, even though it's it's humiliatingly bad. I am by no means a singer, but um, and I'm 100% sober in this too. No lie, no uh, non-disclosure. I am 100% sober. Um, but here's uh, here's Sid Benfiquish to signing out this week again tomorrow or today or where whenever you're listening to this. Sunday was Benfica Sporting, Supertaça, Cândido Oliveira, Força Benfica, Carrega Benfica, Damo 38. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you on the next one, and uh, we will review the Super Cup and get a preview in for the first game of the league season against Passos de Ferreira. Have a good one, everybody. We'll see you next time. I am the Mr. Mike Agostinho. Find me on Twitter at Benfica Mister and on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. 
Carrega Benfica, damo 38.